It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. Oh, we'll rally around the flag, boys, rally once again, shouting the battle cry of freedom. We will rally from the hillside, we'll gather from the plain, shouting the battle cry of freedom. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, This is Stu Jenkins with SLO Public Policy and the Law. And I'm really honored today to have a guest uh, from Santa Barbara who is the president of the California Voting Rights Project, Mr. Lanny Ebenstein. Uh, Welcome, Lanny. Stu, it's great to be with you. And one of the things that I want to tell our listeners about you is that uh, you've been the head of this organization since uh, approximately, uh, what, 2015? Well, you know, we started earlier, as a matter of fact, and um, we started in Santa Barbara County, and we were first involved with uh, district elections here with uh, the Santa Barbara Community College District in 2011. And I think we should should probably explain... 15 or 16 that we started to become mm-hmm. uh, involved in district election efforts outside of uh, the immediate uh, south coast of Santa Barbara County. So you, you originally were working on school district elect- elections in Santa Barbara. Yes, that's correct. I served on the Santa Barbara Board of Education from 1990 to 1998 okay. and um, really saw, and we were elected at large, and um, I, I really believe that District elections are not a Democratic issue. They're not a Republican issue. They're not an independent issue. They're a good government issue. And um, I think that breaking larger uh, government areas up into smaller areas for their uh, elections to their board or council um, is, is the better way of, of, of running uh, elections. It's not a perfect way. There are pros and cons. And um, and different circumstances may apply in different communities. But as a general rule, um, I saw from serving on the Santa Barbara Board of Education that it, it's beneficial. We had five members on the board, and three of us lived within about a half a mile of each other. And it, it, it's just better to have more representation from the entire district when you are, you know, and this is from Montecito through Goleta, sure. to have more, more broad-spread representation from schools, and I think that that's a principle that applies more generally just than just a school district. Well, and I think I've seen that in uh, various cities uh, here on the Central Coast where you have uh, five city council members and, uh, you know, four of them are all within uh, walking distance of each other uh, and their homes. Um, they, it, at, back in 2003... Um, the California legislature adopted the California Voting Rights Act, which actually uh, set forth requirements for school districts and cities and other other governmental entities, local entities, to adopt districts. Um, was did your organization have a hand in in the development of that? No, we we haven't really been involved at that level. Um, we we we've been involved more at the local level, and then. Uh, branching out into the Tri-Counties area and then more generally uh, to a lesser extent elsewhere in Santa Barbara, oh, excuse me, in California where we uh, have people who have been 
interested in our efforts. And um, so we, we've sponsored some forums at different parts in the state with respect to district elections, um, including one in Santa Cruz. Um, but uh, we have not been involved at a state legislative level in these issues. Okay. But well, what was the background of how you think that, uh, that statute got adopted? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Um, essentially, there's a Federal Voting Rights Act. Um, and uh, the Federal Voting Rights Act was passed in the wake of the general federal civil rights legislation in the mid-1960s um, as a way to increase, uh, at the time, uh, minority representation on uh, government agencies, uh, particularly in the South. Um, and uh, it was a very general uh, uh, measure uh, and, and, and effective as far as and, and its time and place. Um, and but, but it was really, I, I would say, originally more focused on dismantling uh, dual sector, uh, de jure segregated uh, school district and, and city voting standards. This was also at the time that, um, at the federal level, about the time that uh, the equal voting population in each government district was implemented. It's hard to imagine, but all that only goes back to the early mid-60s. You know, it's, it's something that, that wasn't there for a long time. I, I remember so those days. In, in the early 2000s in California, there was a, a, a parallel, maybe that's a little bit strong, but there was a similar situation of um, uh, w when you have at-large elections, then you can, uh, you know, it, it will benefit candidates who can run in an entire city or an entire school district, and who are very, uh, you know, clued into the um, whatever the larger special interest groups are for that for that larger agency, and what people noticed was particularly happening was that particularly with the increasing number and percentage of Latinos and Latino voters in California, and to, to some extent um, Asian Asian voters as well, which was not as much of a, I mean, California has always been diverse, but, but, but it became even more diverse in the 80s and 90s, is that, um, that, that people were being elected, and this happened several times in the city of Santa Barbara, that people would have been elected candidates from the, the east side, the lower east side, which is a largely lower socioeconomic uh, area, largely Latino area, the west side area in Santa Barbara, also largely lower socioeconomic, largely Latino. But they weren't elected from the entire city because they didn't have the resources to, to run. And this sort of thing was help, happening elsewhere in the state of California. So the, the California legislature passed the California Voting Rights Act, which basically said that um, in circumstances where uh, candidates from protected classes, which is considered to be for California Voting Rights Act purposes, um, uh, Latinos, uh, African Americans, uh, Asian Americans, and uh, Native Americans, um, that um, if, if they're able to be elected from um, uh, areas of a community, but not the entire community, and you're able to demonstrate that, that, um, that then a, a community would have to uh, adopt 
um, an ameliorative uh, remedy, and, and most often that remedy has been district elections, whereby you divide the, um, the jurisdiction up. And um, so that's really what led to the California Voting Rights Act. It was basically lower representation of members of protected classes. Um, and as I said, it wasn't quite, it wasn't, wasn't the de jure segregation that existed in the South. Um, but it was a situation where there was, there was an alternative method of conducting elections that would seem to result in greater, more elections of individuals from protected classes. And as I say, quite apart from the representation issues, there are strong arguments in favor of geographical representation on, uh, on, on city councils and school boards that it's just better to have diverse representation. And what, what's interesting is that two, two or three things on uh, district elections um, it, are, are that one, um, it, it's particularly resulted in more younger candidates being elected around the state, more, more diverse in a variety of ways. Why do, why do you think that is? I, I think that it's, it's people can run from a part of a district that would not be able to run a uh, part of a school district or a city who would not be able to run in the entire school district or city. They have, um, they have fewer doors to knock on. So fewer they... doors to knock on, and it, it's sort of empowered um, uh, uh, individuals who aren't part of the traditional power structures for the entire you know, city or, or school district. And I'm, I'm not against traditional power structures. Don't, don't get me wrong. All I'm saying is, is that they shouldn't be able to choose all of the members of, of the city council or, or the school board. Um, so, so as I said, that, that's one of the really interesting aspects is that, um, it, it's, and again, this is quasi-anecdotal, but it, it's from a number of areas. I mean, as an example, in the city of Santa Barbara, after um, electing, after implementing district elections, there'd rarely been a member of a protected class on the council. And then within two years, there were three members of protected classes on, on the city council. And for the first time, maybe ever, um, we, we had a member of the council who, while she's been on the council, has had a child, you know, in terms of not just being a parent, but, <laughs> but, but actually having a child. And um, that, that's just a really good perspective to have on your council, irrespective of, of anything else. And um, what, what I would say, too, is that it really hasn't led, um, uh, at least uh, in the uh, government jurisdictions of which we're aware, is that to much of a change in the political makeup of councils or school boards. Um, but, but what does change to some extent is that you get more people being elected who are community leaders at a lower level in the sense of not people who are involved in the Chamber of Commerce. So you're saying there are people who are actually closer to their constituents? People being elected who have been involved in the PTA. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it, mm -hmm. it's sort of like a different, it's a different sort of person. And um, again, I, I think that's a good thing, and um, uh, there, there, there's downsides as far as people say, well, you know, sometimes um, uh, then you, you won't have as many candidates in one particular district, but it, it really hasn't worked that out that way. I mean, if, if, if anything, it, it seems like there's more contested races 
with district elections. Um, so some of the problem is, is that some of the district elections were implemented right before the November 2020 election with COVID, and, and, and that was a low participation election for, for many reasons, and not sure. just because the district elections had been implemented. But, but as I said, it, it does seem like there's more personal diversity on elected bodies, and it doesn't seem like there is as much what are the, political, uh, you know, it, do, it doesn't affect, affect, there's not more Republicans elected, there's not more Democrats elected as far as. There, there's there's more people races. who are new. Yeah, just different, different sorts of people Good. get elected. Lenny, uh, what, what are the grounds that you look for uh, at the California Voting Rights Project? Uh, if you're looking at a city or a, uh, a school district uh, to, as to whether to, to seek to impose the district elections. Yeah. Our, our approach is, is that basically, pursuant to the California Voting Rights Act, um, there are several grounds for whether or not uh, district elections or some other uh, change would be appropriate. Um, and one of them is if there's differential voting between precincts with high numbers of individuals from protected classes and um, precincts uh, uh, and, and individuals from precincts with high numbers of individuals from non-protected classes. Now, for our, for our and, listeners, uh, what's differential voting? Differential voting means that, for example, in, um, in the city of Goleta, um, when, we, uh, when, when we worked with district elections there, um, there were candidates and electoral measures that in the uh, highly uh, um, uh, Latino parts of Goleta the, the, the school bonds would pass, and certain candidates, in particular Latino candidates, would be elected from those precincts, but then they weren't being elected from the rest of uh, Goleta. So that's what differential voting is, is when there's differential voting. So they got a high vote in the, uh, in the Latino areas, but they didn't get enough votes in the rest of the uh, area to actually get into office. Exactly. Um, and, and then another factor is the extent to which you've had um, individuals, diverse individuals, being elected to councils and school boards. And th that, I think, is a really important issue because, um, you know, we, we, we don't want California to go the way of South Africa in terms of where you've got the decision-making group, you know, being 25% of the population and then, you know, the 75% of the population isn't being represented in the electoral process. That That's very unhealthy for any sort of uh, democratic system, uh, democratic with a small d. Um, and so, um, uh, so I think that uh, district elections also, if, if it seems like, you know, uh, this is a very diverse community, um, the school district is, is made up of 60 or 70 percent of, of students from protected classes, but there isn't anybody from a protected class who's been elected to the school board in the past 20 years or one person or something mm -hmm. like that, then, then that's another factor um, that can come into play. Um, and then if you evaluate um, uh, academic performance and census data, um, uh, differentiation between different groups, then that, that also provides grounds for um, looking at an area from the uh, standpoint of the CBRA. It does not apply to all communities, and um, it applies to some communities more than others, and then there's also communities that are, are in a gray area. 
But um, I, I think that, as a general rule, most communities have been glad that they have implemented uh, district elections once they've been elected, uh, once they've been implemented, and, and they really do result in um, councils and school boards that are more diverse in, in a number of ways. And, and as I said, not just from the standpoint of, of members of protected classes. We, we, have, a, we have a local school board here in the county that uh, suddenly has a special election. And uh, because they have districts now, um, it's a lot cheaper to run the election. <laughs> And, and, and another thing, exactly, is that if there's a need for a special election, you don't have to do it for the whole district. And so, you know, for the entire area, you know, you can just do it for part. So it, it actually makes it, that was an issue in the city of Santa Barbara. It made it easier then to schedule special elections rather than, well, the city council will just appoint the replacement because they don't want to go to the cost of a citywide election. Are there shortcomings that you see to, uh, to district elections? Sure, and, 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 and again, you know, Stu, as you know from your involvement in, in government issues over time, um, there's two sides to many issues, and reasonable people of goodwill can differ on issues, and they certainly can differ on, uh, on implementation. Um, and I, I think that the, the two biggest arguments against district elections are, one, that it leads to horse trading on the city council or the school board, well, I'll, I'll support park improvements in your district if, if you support more roads in my district or, or something like that. Uh -huh. And again, I, I think that's more of a, uh, that's a common argument against district elections. From, from my standpoint, that is more of a theoretical argument than an actual argument because as I have watched the city of Santa Barbara since it's been uh, implemented district elections, um, it, there really is very little horse trading that goes on. Um, what, what I would say, though, is that individuals become more knowledgeable of uh, issues in their particular area and areas that were formerly underrepresented on the city council. I mentioned the, the Lower East Side. Then they've got someone who, who knows the issues in that area. Well, and my, and, one, might, one might actually think that horse trading in that instance, if the Lower East Side hadn't gotten any money for paving, was a good thing. Yeah, no, I, I don't, as I said, I, I look at politics as a, um, you know, it, 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 it's not for sissies, it's, it's not a contact-free sport, and people are going to disagree, and they're going to disagree sharply, both, both philosophically and personally, and when, when I was on the school board, you know, I learned that every parent thinks that what is ever best for their child is also best for all other students. And I mean, I'm being a little bit facetious, but I mean, people are genuine and sincere, and they care about things. And as I said, but but they look at it from their own perspective, and that that's okay. Sure. And as I said, that's the argument kind of for broader representation. But but there was an issue in in Lower East Side with respect to a particular park, and there were murals in the park that people wanted to see protected. And there was a, a grant application for a swimming pool, and the city came back with a wading pool rather than people wanted more of a lap pool. Oh, my. And there were a variety of issues. And under the old system, I think that the local community issues just would have been swept under the rug and just we'll just ratify the recommendation and move on to the next issue. 
But, but when they had a council member who was then advocating for it to be a different way and getting people to turn out to the meeting, and you created division on the council, and it's sort of like, well, the representative from that area isn't in favor of it, then, then ultimately changes were made. But so, so I, I don't think that the horse trading argument is, is very strong. Um, the, um, but, but that one is, is, is advanced. Well, Annie, we, the, ju- the, we, just had, uh, we just had the vice mayor of Pass Rebels on, and he, he uh, indicated, even though they had adopted districts, that he had uh, worried that um, what might happen would be that you had a member of the council elected from a district who only was concerned with their district instead of with the whole city. Is that a... Is that a downside that you see? Yeah, yeah I, I, that, that's not quite the horse trading issue, but it is that well, I, I do think that on the negative side, um, while people become experts in their areas, I think that people may know, you know a little bit less about what's going on outside of their district. Their focus has kind of changed. Um, and yet at the same time, it's very difficult to know what's happening in every park in a city. So that, as I said, I, I, what, what I've found is that individuals, um, you know, on, on any issue, when, when I was a member of an elected board, you focus on some issues, you can't focus on every issue, you know, you sort of, you pick the issues that you're interested in. And I, but, but as I said, I, I do think that's a more valid concern as far as, um, it's, it's not so much that there's horse trading, but it's that, People only have so many hours that they put into these issues, and as a member of an elected board, and if they're spending more time on a particular part of the community, then, then to some extent they have less knowledge of other parts of the community. But again, our perspective is more, as you said, that's a positive thing in terms of it's better to have an advocate for all parts of the community than to have people who are strictly at a general level who, in truth, then may not be an expert in any part of the city. And Lanny, it, we're, we're going we're gonna to come back here pretty soon. We've got about 30 more seconds, maybe 15 by now. Uh, and uh, we're going to take a little break here to have a break for the town, hometown, town hall news and, uh, and some advertising. And then I want to talk to you about the alternatives. Great. I look forward to it. Okay. Okay. 